Welcome everybody to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ. Season 5, episode number 15. I have an interview for you today. Um, I got the chance to sit down and interview Jason Oates, who is a former high school basketball coach. Uh, he is a coach of youth sports. He's coached uh, basketball and baseball, and I think maybe even a little football. Um, but he is currently the uh, host of the podcast Whistle and a Clipboard. So y'all make sure to uh, be sure to check out his podcast Whistle and a Clipboard. He has a lot of different interviews and, and some different uh, coaches and of different sports, not just basketball, but a different sports on there. So y'all be sure to check that out. Um, but this this interview is just it's it's a good one. It's it's really good. It's informative. Of course, we talked about skill development for basketball, um, but we 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 talked about confidence and what that is and what that means to him, and we also talked about the mental aspect that a lot of times is overlooked when it comes to sports and youth sports. So we got into a, a few different things. I think y'all are going to like this. Be sure to take some good notes. Um, but here it is, the interview I did with Jason Oates of Whistle and a Clipboard Podcast. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ, and I have a special interview for today. We have Jason Oates. Here with us today, we're gonna we're gonna really get into some uh, some different things today with, when it comes to skill development and and youth players and high school players. Uh, Coach, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Let them know a little bit about your uh, coaching background. All right, well, TJ, thank you for having me on. This is great. Uh, we met whew, a while ago yeah. <laughs> at uh, at uh, at a point three uh, Alpha's conference, and uh, anyway, so. I coached, I was just telling you, I, I've coached anywhere from four-year-olds to 24-year-olds, basketball, baseball, softball, football, cheerleading. So I've coached over 80 seasons of sport um, in many different sports. Uh, most recently, I just uh, finished up coaching high school basketball here in uh, Cary, North Carolina, and um, actually had one guy go play uh, in the, at college. He's at Rice right now. He's a sophomore. Um, and and not my doing. He, he did there on his own. Um, so I take no credit for him being there. Uh, but he's just he's a good kid, and I love the fact that he's he's doing well and he's succeeding. He started out when he was playing Russ high school at six feet, and now he's six eight. And um, wow. when he steps in the gym, he's in range. So, but I'm also a general contractor. I own a construction company with my dad. Um, I have a podcast also called Whistle on the Clipboard. Uh, I've interviewed over 250 coaches, authors thought leaders um, from sports, all different sports all over the world. So uh, I really enjoy the coaching aspect of coaching, which sounds kind of funny, redundant, but, um, and then I'm a, a father and that's probably the first thing, you know, I'm a father and a husband. I've got three kids, uh, a 17 year old son, a 15 year old daughter and a 12 year old son. So uh, when, when I'm not uh, podcasting, coaching, working, um, I'm spending my time with them. You got a full schedule, man. <laughs> you know, uh, you know the, the the contract and the podcast, and you was coaching high school, and and you and you got you know three kids and you know, family. So I can only imagine what your day looks like. And also, I'm gonna tell you something you may not notice. Um, when I met you at that uh, point three uh, Alpha Summit years ago, 
um, you were the reason why I wanted to start doing a podcast. So I, I started listening to some different podcasts and, and actually I was looking for something on skill development, couldn't find anything. So uh, I did some research and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this thing. And so I've been kind of doing this, been off and on, um, you know, I've, I've been trying to now do it more consistent, but, but you are the reason why I end up, end up trying this, trying this thing. And so now here I am, <laughs> we're flip roles. Now I'm interviewing you. <laughs> so awesome. All right. <laughs> awesome. Let's get on right into this. Um, let's talk about skill development in your own words. What is skill development and how important do you think it is? Uh, to the game of basketball, or just to in youth sports in, in general? Well, so skill development for me has a couple different definitions. So within, if I'm looking at basketball itself, um, you know, for me, like I'm coaching a rec 12 year old basketball team right now. And so um, we both know Gilbert Abraham. And when I had him on the podcast, um, a quote that sticks with me to this day is there's sophistication and simplification. So what are, what are the, the basic things that I can help a player um, master? And we never really master, but help them um, get as good as they can at that will translate and allow them the creativity to do whatever comes up when they're playing. I, I try my best not to pigeonhole uh, kids into a certain move or a certain whatever because um, we're all different and my mind's going to baseball at the moment but um, with baseball with the baseball swing like you have all these people that try to teach one swing to 30 people right. well I don't think that works you got to teach the you got to teach the player the swing you got to teach the player the shot um, you know I had on Tyler Costin who's a PGC guy and you know he had some different thoughts about how to teach shooting and it's teaching a kid their own shot. So when that's what I think about in skill development is there are some, there's the basics of a shot, but the basics for every player are not the same because my arms are different lengths than your arms. My torso is different. My legs, unique individuals. So um, that's kind of the skill development how I would define it is, is helping a player with the basics that will allow them to play in a free space that way. Yeah. When you were talking about that, um, it made me think about shooting and how shooting is Tyler. I know you, you touched on this with Tyler, but there are so many coaches that feel like this is the way you have to do or have to teach shooting. Um, they're supposed to dip the ball versus not dipping the ball, or they should be square, or they should be turned, or your elbow should be here and your elbow should be there. And one thing that I realized is I've, I've taught it both ways. It just really comes, like you say, it comes down to the player. Everybody is different. Um, my strength and coordination with one player is going to be different with another player. So we got to just think about, like you say, come up with you know the, the bases or the basics that they got to understand. Uh, to me, that's being on balance and having a good follow through. Some of the other things, when you try to get too detailed, it messes with their mind too much and it, it depends on the player. So what you just said brought up rhythm and timing, right? Mm 
rhythm and timing. If you can get their kinetic chain, their body to move with rhythm, the rhythm and timing that they have, it doesn't really matter what their shot looks like because it's going to be repeatable and they're going to make the shot, right? So, yeah, like it, it, everybody has a different rhythm, you know? So um, help we can help them figure that out, then, then their shots will they'll go in a lot more. So you'll see kids that get all tight and tense and they'll go too quick or or usually it's usually they never go too slow so as they're going too fast for their own their own rhythm so helping them slow down and just yeah the rhythm and timing thing i think is huge yeah so when, we, when we're talking about skill development when you're doing skill development with i know you say you was coaching a a, a rec team uh, kind of what's your philosophy when it comes to skill what are some things that that you like to live by uh, when it comes to uh, to your philosophy on skill development, and and don't be afraid, even though we're, this is a basketball podcast, don't be afraid to throw out you know some information from other sports because I feel like it's great for uh, coaches to learn from each other. Doesn't matter what sport it is. Like the other day, I was on YouTube looking at you know hockey stuff, you know, and I've looked at <laughs> stuff with soccer, <laughs> you know, because it gives you a different perspective. Um, a fresh outlook. So just when it comes to skill development, uh, you know, what's, what's your philosophy? Um, that's an interesting question. Cause being that I coach a lot of different sports, mm-hmm. uh, and with my now, like I've got, there's 10 players, two kids have never touched a basketball until this year. And then I've got like my son who's grown up going to practice with me, who like went from baby carrier to dribble a ball at practice to now, you know. Um, so again, it's 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 individual based. Um, and then what can what can they do to help the team? Because they have to play like four minutes every quarter, uh, and that gets kind of difficult because I can't focus with an, one hour a week on on just on just like what they specifically need. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a um, like I'll work, I'll get on them. I'll have a, one of my assistants like dribble with them on the side, those kids that, that just haven't ever touched the basketball. Cause that's the first thing. If they can't, if they can't dribble the ball and they get the ball now, they're now they're stuck. So um, we worked on the simple things so that they can be a part of the team and contribute. And then the next thing is rebounding. Like, I think like for me, like that's, you know, I'm not, I'm not Jeff Sparrow in terms of, uh, you know, the def- crazy defensive guy that, that we met yeah. to, um, yeah, who's now in Australia. Um, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Defense. But I Shout think if I had Jeff. to hang my hat on something, I would, <laughs> yeah, I would I would hang I would hang my hat on rebounding as as the as the big thing that I like to focus on is just because you if you don't have the ball if you can't get the ball on defense you can't finish the possession they're going to score and and any kid can rebound the basketball it just it's about spacing and, and a little bit of desire so we work on that a lot but if I was going to flip the switch what what I think has helped um, me be the most productive me be the best doesn't have to do with a physical skill um it's a mental skill and and some people talk about mental toughness and that kind of thing and i think it's mental understanding and it's an understanding of where um 
where our reality is created from. And some people are going to be listening to this and they're going to be like, what is this dude talking about? Right. They're like, did he smoke something before he came on? <laughs> but I, it's not, I, di I didn't. Um, I was using power tools. So it's still got my fingers. But um, no, so I, 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 like I was telling you earlier, I went down on this path of how do I help my players become their best? And what I noticed was that in practice, in, in, situations where it wasn't a game or it wasn't where they were having to perform that they would play and they would perform up to the level that they could or a little past it because of that's where they had the skill but then when it's something that's holding them back so kind of what came to me was that they have a fear of failure and that fear of failure in the moment is what keeps them from performing their best right so how do i then uh, take that away from them and so it's kind of funny we like so I had a coach contact me this morning kind of in the, in the same vein but we all have a definition of success we all have a definition of failure my definition is different than your definition right if I if we talked about success in something like we would have two different definitions and that's from what I believe is success. And my coach might believe something else and my parent might believe something else with what success is. So you have these three different views of what success is and I'm playing the game trying to be successful, but I have those three different views and then I have my own, I have all these different views. So if I understand that all of those views are nothing but a view. That's not, it's not a real thing until I make it real, right? Um, maybe I'll use a better example. So you and I are, are if, if you were in my office with me staring out the window and looking at this tree, we both would agree that it's a tree, but you would have a completely different experience of that tree than I would because your perception of what you're seeing is different than what mine is. You have different beliefs about a tree. You know, like it's a pine tree. You might you might love pine trees. You might hate pine trees because of the pine cones or the pine straw. Right. But so your perception of that tree is completely different than mine. It's still the tree. It's still there. But how we perceive it is different. So if you take that back to the game. Three. Game. You have a perception like everybody listening goes, oh, that's a pressure situation. It's only a pressure situation because we believe it. Pressure only exists between our ears. Mm. And that understanding frees players up to then play to their potential and pass it because they'll get into the game and they're not worried about the outcome. They're just worried about playing present. So you can also look at it as, as I'm worried about the future, I can only be where my hands are. And so if I'm worried about the future, if I'm worried about the past, I'm not playing in the present and that doesn't allow me to perform my best. Um, so that's the quick and dirty, and and I don't expect a lot of people to to get it right away. Some people will, but you know, it's it's a it's a it's a thought based on the three principles, which are mind, consciousness, and thought. A guy named Sidney Banks um, articulated them that way. Um, it's an inside-out revolution. You know, uh, there's a bunch of other people like that. that if they, people want to dive in further, they can, or they can contact me. But it's 
I really think like for what you do, TJ, and for what other people that listen to this podcast, the skill development guys, if you can match up this understanding with what you're teaching them, man, you're just going to have players that are going to be amazing because they're not going to be worried about the outcome. They're going to be worried about the present, playing present, not what could happen or what did happen. And I, while you were discussing that, uh, that made me think about this young player I've been working with. And she's actually going through that. And, and we've had that conversation before about worrying about the outcome. She's worried about missing. And I told her, I said, you know what? I don't think you necessarily worry about missing as much as you worry about what other people are going to think of you missing. So as a 14, 15-year-old kid, and I know it's totally different today with social media and, and all these different things they have going on. So her coach has told her that she has the green light to shoot. Her parents have been totally supportive and encouraging her to shoot. Her teammates have been totally supportive and told her to shoot. And then they come to me and I'm telling her the same thing. Um, Now, what I do tell my players is, if it's a shot that your coach wants you to shoot and it's within Florida offense, then you got to shoot the ball. You know, you can't worry about if you make it or miss. And then I follow it up. I know that's easier said than done because we, you know, we, we have these thoughts that's in our minds. But I said, if you're, if you're giving the green light to shoot and you're worried about the outcome, you know, uh, some players won't worry about if they miss or not. Coach told me can shoot, I can shoot, I'm shooting. And, and I told her, I said, listen, if the coach gives you permission to shoot is giving you permission to miss so you can't worry about your misses but I I, 99% of the kids that I work with is more the longer I'm doing this it seems it's more work on their mental than their physical um you know I'm not you know I try to learn what I can when it comes to the mental aspect of it because I know that's part of it you know that's a lot of it um but man, it's just like, you know, your coach is giving you the green light, your, your, your teammates are encouraging you to shoot, but she is so wrapped up into, uh, you know, whether she make it or miss it, what her teammates are gonna think, cause she's in eighth grade playing with ninth grade. And so that's something that she's been struggling with. And I've been slowly trying to chip away at this, at this wall that she's built up. Uh, to be able to get to her. And it's going to take some time. And I typically can get through to, through to the kids. And, and we just started working together a couple of weeks ago. But um, I'm starting to see more and more kids as, that are so focused on the outcome and whether they pass, fail, per se, or if they just, you know, make mistakes and, and things like this. So I, I totally get what you're saying. I'm right there with you. <laughs> well, the the other part for her could be the, the story that she tells herself about herself. Like she could think that I'm not a shooter, right? Yeah. But she actually has a really good shot. And my daughter's probably downstairs listening. This is this is her big thing, right? She plays high school ball here. Uh, well, she she had decided not to, and through some other stuff, she's now back on the team. She just didn't try out, and. She's practicing with the varsity, and the varsity coach tells her to shoot. I tell her to shoot. Her friends tell her to shoot. Her teammates tell her to shoot, right? But I think it's she's telling. She has a story about herself that she's not a shooter, that that she's not. Um, I made her play point guard for me, and she's on a point guard. 
that she couldn't like that she couldn't do it. So it's the, it's again, it's our thinking about ourselves. Like what story have we made up? What story are we believing? And then we actually live out that story. You know, the, the Henry Ford quote, quote, whether you think you can, you can't, you're probably right. Well, yeah, if I think I'm a shooter, <laughs> there's another girl on her team that thinks she's a shooter, but she's not a shooter. She's a misser. Every <laughs> shot she takes, she hasn't made in the two years I've watched. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, you hear the, the shooter shoot. Well, misser's missing. She's a misser. But um, that's kind of mean, but it's true. Uh, <laughs> but she's never met a shot that she wouldn't take where my daughter on the other side of it. She has she's she's never met a shot that she wants to take. And I think it's a story that she's told herself that she's not a shooter, but everybody else sees her as being super capable. She just has to start shooting the ball and then can go from there. Yeah, one thing that I've noticed is um if a player if a player has any type of struggle uh early on, if they feel some type of experience, some type of failure like you say, they make that their reality, you know? So if, if, if I'm in sixth grade and I shoot the ball and I can't make shots and I have other teammates around me that are making shots, I tell myself that I can't shoot the ball. Um, if I'm working with a player, I've been doing this 19 years, skill development for 19 years. And when I work with a player for the first time, I let them shoot by themselves for like three or four minutes. And I just stand to the side and I talk to their parents. And while I'm talking to the parents, I can watch them and I can determine if they're a really good shooter, if they're a streaky shooter, if they're a bad shooter. And then I can determine how they normally work on their shooting. Because a lot of players typically shoot it, go get the rebound, go out to a spot, turn around and shoot it again. They don't really shoot, you know, like they're really like they really should. A lot of times it's because they don't know. But I can tell what type of shooter they are. And typically I ask them, you know, do you consider yourself a good shooter, a bad shooter, or a streaky shooter? 95% of those kids that I've asked over the course of the 19, 18, 19 years I've been doing this have said streaky. I very rarely have anyone say, Coach, I'm a good shooter. I, I can knock down shots. I can make shots. And I'm sitting and I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, I've asked a lot of players. I mean, I've, I've been fortunate to work with some players that go off and play Division One. Uh, majority of the players I work with, you know, they may go, go off and play in college, but a lot of them play in high school and then they're done. Uh, but majority of them just have this, this bad thought in their head that they're a streaky shooter, which they feel like they're not a good shooter, but they don't want to say that. So they just say, I'm a, I'm a streaky shooter. I may make two and then miss my next four and then make one or two. And then, Nick. but then I ask them, I say, are you aggressive in games? And then typically they're like, no, not really, but I'm aggressive on defense. I'm like, of course you're aggressive on defense. <laughs> so um, I get that. They just, they, they experience some type of failure or some type of shortcoming or they may not be as good as their peers in the beginning. And then they give themselves this label that they're not able to do it. And then once they get older, it's, it's, it makes it really, really difficult to try to get through to those, through to those kids. And that's where this whole, if they can understand that it's just a, that it, I hate saying it this way, but if they can understand that it's a, the, the principle of thought, which is what you believe, 
than what you perceive really is what it comes down to. If they can understand that, now it's easy to go, hey, this is this is just a label. This isn't a real, like going back to whatever the failure was. Well, some people look at a missed shot as a failure. Some people look at a shot, missed shot as opportunity for a rebound. Some people look at a missed shot as, um, you know, like that was the best opportunity for our team to score. So miss or make. And then if you go to, over to baseball, like the batting average, like if you hit 300, that's amazing. That's three out of 10, you know. I think it's rare that somebody shoots over 40% from the outside. And we're talking about professionals. So as you back your way down the levels, it's usually the numbers are usually, I, I would think they would be worse for like a good shooter in high school is shooting what, 33% from outside? Uh, no, nah, they, well, I know Allen Iverson is like a career 42%, 40, 42% shooter from the field. Um, I think the really good shooters, Michael Jordan, well, Michael Jordan, the, the, I wouldn't necessarily say LeBron James is a really good shooter, but he's very efficient. And their percentages are usually about 45 to 50%. But a lot of that with the NBA players, those guys know how to get to the free throw line. So they may take 20 shots a night as a whole, but they get fouled on, on, seven of them and they're shooting eight for 13 from the field, <laughs> you know, so that, that kind of influences their, their percentage. But typically if you could shoot 40 or 45% from the field, including your three pointers and, and inside the three point line, you're considered a good shooter. So even with that, you're still going to miss more than you make. That's what I was telling this young girl. I said, even if you considered a great shooter, and you shoot 45% right. from the field, you're still missing 55% of your shots. So you're gonna miss more than you make. Now, if you can get to 50%, now you just, you off the charts. You know, if you're shooting 50% from the field and you're a guard and you play on the perimeter, you're doing really well. So, you know, it just, these players, they have this misconception with what success is and, and what it looks like. Because a lot of times, like you were saying, they want to base it on on something else they've seen or another player that compare themselves to another player, and it's really it makes it really cloudy when you when you do that. Yeah, no. So that's that's where where I get to like that's where I like to use analytics or numbers with players. Is that so? Here's what a professional is, right? With numbers, but we're not comparing ourselves to professionals, right? I ain't do it. We want you to do here's your numbers are even if she's a 30% shooter, you're going to miss two for every one you make. So, you know, if you miss the first two shots you make, well, then your law of averages says the third one will go in. But if the third one doesn't, then in the next, you know, the next three, maybe two go in or in the next, not in the next seven, three go in. Right. It's so it's if they look at it that way, now that goes, oh, well, huh, that's really not that bad. So then that takes that that thought of I got to make the shot away from them. And now they can put the thought in of one out of three or, or, or even better, like who gives a bleep, right? Shoot the damn ball. <laughs> so, so when it comes to that, when you, when you have a player or even like with your daughter, you know, you said that, that she struggles with the shooting aspect in an in actual competition. 
um, with her or with any of the other players that you've worked with, what is it that you've tried to do to instill in them that confidence to where they can say, okay, because I look at it like this. I look at it like it's a process. If a player comes in and they know that they're a bad shooter, I may have to make some tweaks to their mechanics. I may have to do a lot of block shooting to just to get their confidence up before I go into random game like shooting, contesting all these shots and different things like that. Um, what is it that you like to do to try to ensure these players to kind of help them understand that, hey, you know, you can develop your skills into being even a better shooter, but let's work on some things to help you with whatever it is that they're struggling with. Right. So I try not to use the word confidence because, again, what is confidence? I, I, I keep trying to come up with a definition of it, and I really can't. Is it a feeling? Is it a thought? Is it a – what is it? Mm. I to come up with, for me, but it doesn't really make sense, is the ability to for basketball to take a shot without worrying about the outcome. Right? Maybe that's confidence. Or that's what I would tell my players confidence is. But to think that we need confidence to succeed is false. Because I know when you played, you walked into the gym and some days were completely unconfident and played out of your mind. And then other days you walked into the gym and were supremely confident and played like doo-doo. Yep. Right? So that correlation that we as coaches pass on to our players is false. So if we can get away from that, now we've now we've subtracted that piece. Like I also kind of call this subtractive psychology or subtractive mental toughness. If I can take away that thought that you need to be confident to shoot this ball, now they're going to shoot the ball. So um, it's it's a removing the piece. The the thing with my daughter is my older son. He kind of thinks this is woo woo stuff. Right. But and I had a I had a I had another I had a college coach I've interviewed on the podcast and we had a little discussion about it. But he's like, where's the research to back up what you're talking about? Like. But if you look at any psychology, any any psychological study, any research about those kind of things, um, a lot of them, the sample size is like 10 people. And then it's the majority or what the person doing the, the study took away from what they saw so it's their perception of what's happening mm -hmm. um so psychology is a theory um what i'm talking about i believe is is a principle like gravity you know if i take this pen 10 times out of 10 times if i let go of it it drops in when we're talking about mental stuff 10 times out of 10, what, what I perceive isn't it, like I, we get information from our senses and then it all goes into our brain and, and we project what we see. Not, like we're the movie projector, not the movie screen. So, you know, with the, with all of those little pieces, like whatever we start to believe is then how we put all the pieces of information together that we're getting. And then that's what our reality then becomes. So, yeah, I just try to take those things away that we've learned that we've been told that then, you know, can hold us back. I had a high school kid last year um, who 
you know, one of the other coaches told him like, you gotta, be, you, you gotta be more confident in your shot. Like you, if you're more confident, you'll make more shots. And I pulled him aside and, and I was like, Hey, you know, I know what coach said, but I walked into this gym. Some days you're really confident, but the ball doesn't go in. And other days you walk in this gym and, you, and you're not confident at all. And it goes in. I was like, just remove that thought of having to have something to be able to shoot the ball and just shoot it. You're a good shooter. We've told you to shoot. You got the green light, just shoot. And then the, like a couple of weeks later, the coach that had told him he needed to be confident. He's like, I have never seen a kid just shoot the ball when he's not acting confident. And I'm like, yeah, we, we, I, I took that away from him. So he doesn't have to do it anymore. And he just shoots the ball and he's, he's a good kid. I, he's got a D2 offer right now. So, you know, I'm happy for, for him, but that's kind of where I would go with, with that. Yeah, that, you know, while you were saying, I was thinking about, <clears throat> you know, we, we sometimes use terms and even drills uh, because we, we're, we just kind of fall in, it's kind of like falling in line because uh, it's something we've always done, you know. Uh, uh, Three-man weave is something that, you typically see it every basketball practice. And and when it was brought to my attention years ago about, you know, what's the purpose of a three-man weave, I kind of got to think, like, well, it's something I've always, we've always done. And so now when I see a three-man weave, I kind of cringe. <laughs> I kind of cringe. It's like, what, what, what are we doing? There's so much more that we could do. Um, so yeah, I I get that. I I get that. Um, about you know, I always felt like, I guess if we're if I'm gonna give a definition it's of confidence, is you know, it's that belief in yourself that that you can do, uh, whatever whatever it is that you want to do. Um, but that could be a term that's 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 overused. Um, I get that. You know, that's that's something I'm gonna I'm gonna have to think about. Uh, using that term or, or finding a different term or finding a different way to convey that message. So um, yeah, that makes, that makes some sense. It makes a lot of sense. So another thing I'll say to piggyback that is, is you use the term like um, it's what's always been done. It's what somebody else did. It's, right. it's a, you know, the three man weave, it was a belief that we acquired from someone else that they acquired from someone else that no one ever actually questioned. Right. Um, and you can look at a lot of different things like um, that. If we don't take the time. Like, honestly, I try to do this all the time. If I don't take the time to question something, then I'm not doing myself a favor. I'm just right. if I'm just regurgitating what someone else did or regurgitating what someone else said without like questioning it, like flipping and getting in their shoes and going, hey, does this make sense from that side? Uh, and I have that. I can't pass that on to my players because I don't truly believe it. I just do it because someone else did, and that's probably the worst thing we could do yeah. um, as humans. And and like, I'm gonna say politics. I'm not gonna say which side of the fence I'm on because I hate it. But I think that politics in general. But I think that nobody right now wants to look at the other side. Nobody wants like Republicans don't want to put their feet in Democrat shoes, and Democrats don't want to put their feet in Republican shoes, and we're all suffering for it because there's no collaboration there's no cooperation there's no you know one thing is necessarily better than the other 
but the the best thing is usually somewhere in the middle yeah so uh yeah. and it, it goes back to our beliefs and that's definitely we see that in basketball with drills i mean i've seen <laughs> i've seen coaches trainers see somebody that's supposed to be you know the end all be all of coaching or skill development or whatever and they'll do a drill and you'll have all these coaches like oh my goodness that's a great drill i'm gonna do that same drill with you know with my team um but you know that's i feel like every drill has its place so you need to you need to really understand what that coach is trying to accomplish accomplish what is what's the reason behind that drill and then if it fits your player or players that you're trying to use it for or use it with other than just I saw this. This is John Calipari did this with his guards. I'm gonna do this with my guards. Well, John Calipari's guards are way more skilled than your guards, so you may need to do something a little bit different, you know. <laughs> or you see NBA players doing something, and you have a coach that's got 10 and 11 year olds trying to do the same thing. Like that is a huge gap in skill level um, that you're trying to make these kids do certain things, but you know. It is what it is, I guess. <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. Even when you look at um, the other part of it is, is I think coaches, they look at those drills, but it doesn't fit their players or it doesn't play. And just like, you know, a three-on-two, two-on-one fastback drill, but you play more of like a Virginia stagnant offense. Like, why would you – I mean, yeah, we want to do some fast break things because you're going to have a couple, but that's not the identity of your team. So why would you put that in the drill? So I think that for skill development coaches, like I know you talk to the high school coaches where your players try to see what, um, you know, having that interaction because Mark Adams, you know, told us both that, um, that he tries to, to pay attention to the high school coaches because ultimately – if that player is going to play in that system, you want to develop their skill to play the best within whatever system that is. Or if you create the system as players every year, now you're having some fun. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let me get. Uh, I ain't gonna hold you much long. I got. I got one more. I got one more question for you. I got two more questions for you. One of them, and then I have a bonus. <laughs> ah, I love it. Um. So let's talk a little bit about practice planning. I think this is something that's, that's really important, especially with, with youth coaches. There are a lot of youth coaches that have no clue when it comes to practice planning. Because going back to three-man weave, I've seen practice practices with youth teams where they spend 20 minutes doing three-man weave. Like literally, three-man weave for 20 minutes. And I sit here and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I just, I don't get it, but I do get it because they're doing what they've always done or what they were taught uh, when they were a player. Um, so what tips do you have for coaches with you being able to coach on the youth level and in the high school level? Uh, what tips do you have for, for coaches when it comes to practice planning and preparing for, for their training or practice sessions? So on the youth level, um, you get one hour a week, right? So what I try to do is break it up into three 20-minute segments um, for that hour. Uh, and the first 20 minutes, we'll work on an individual skill. 
in the second 20 minutes, if we've had a game, we'll work on something that that we were just super as a team deficient in the game. So for my son's team, um, you know, we worked on some passing and some dribbling, some shooting to begin with. And then we went into a rebounding drill where I four for one basket, four at the other basket. And it's uh, for the first time we did it, it was a free for all for everybody to try to get the rebound. And whoever got the most rebounds, like then we had the championship basket, which we used the one in the middle since we had three. We used the one in the middle for the championship and the other kids still had their another, you know, another round. So I'm trying to make, make, make what I'm doing as game-like as possible within that time frame so that they're getting as much. And then I will always finish practice with three on three or four on four, but no more than that. Um, because I want the kids to get the touches. I want them to then transfer over the things that we worked on already in practice to there, which is, you know, make two, maybe three total for the practice. And then, and then I will stand back with a whistle and they know to stop dead still. And then we just teach through the three on three and teach through that quick short burst. Cause you know, kids, I'm not going to blame technology because I had a short attention span when I was young. Um, I'm not going to blame that. So it's just younger kids have a shorter attention span. And so we as coaches, we got to shorten our, 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 how we teach them. Like you got to, you got to, you can't, and I hate to, you know, prescribe things um, without knowing you as a coach. But I mean, the biggest thing I've seen is three 20 minute blocks, make sure you're finishing with, and I, I really prefer three on three because that's just the, the most amount of time. Like I kind of wish the youth leagues would go to three on three basketball. Um, you could, you know, the kids would get a lot better. They'd get a lot more out of it. And then when they get to a five on five situation, we could do better. And, um, but yeah, so three 20 minute blocks, individual, a skill that was lacking from either the last time you did the three on three, four on four, or a skill that was lacking from the game and then play three on three and then watch them play 20 minute segments um and then you know when we had two three-hour practices for high school again it's kind of the same thing but maybe like four four things to work on but you know one of those was definitely skill development um i love to run so one of those was always a fast break drill um and here's the other thing take running out of your like if you've got to do suicides, you didn't design your practice well enough to get the running in with what you're doing, right? Like, uh, hey, running man, is such a waste of time. Do, we always done it. We hey, run suicides but, and nickels and dimes and 17s. And punishing people for <laughs> this mistakes. <laughs> yeah, running for, you know, punishing people for, mis for making mistakes. Now you're putting that seed back in, right? Yeah. They don't want to make the mistake because they got to, you know, do your punishment. Like, so do me a favor, take it away unless you can put it into your practices in the drills you're doing. And it's really not hard to do. So yeah. got yeah. a little soapbox there at the end. But oh man, I, I'm with you on that because I have a nephew. Um he's fifth grade this year, but when he was in third grade, um we were in practice one day and I was working with him and my daughter and I was like, all right, Dion. You know, I said, we gonna, we, we're just working on technique. I said, this is not game like, but we're working on technique. So I want you to, we were just kind of doing a little zigzag up the court, working on ball him. 
And I said, I want you to work on going between the legs. So he said, okay, and he was going slow. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, man, you're not even going, you barely going half speed. And he never would say why. So I kept asking him, like, dude, why are you going so slow? And I said, let me ask you something. I said, um, do y'all get in trouble in practice if y'all make a mistake? And he said, yes. He said, my coach make us run if we're working on anything and we mess up. I say, what's the purpose of skill development then if you can't make a mistake? <laughs> now, you, now you got my blood going because at my high school practices, I would stand like if they knew the drill or whatever, I would stand with a ball under each arm, right? If they kicked the ball, if they dropped the ball, if they moved through the ball, like I throw them the ball, they keep doing the drill and I go get the ball. Right. I'd rather them take that time to continue on developing and stretching themselves and dribbling it off their leg if they got to or throwing it out too far and they didn't go get it in time. So now it's at the other end of the gym. Here's the ball. Do it again. Keep going. Like that's that's what I think you as a coach should do. Like making them run for a mistake. Now you are putting that seed of of what happens if I miss in their head. Yeah. And another pet peeve of mine is when they shoot free throws at the end of practice. Coach line them up all on the baseline. They call them out there one at a time. It's a one and one. If you miss the first one, you got a line drill. If you miss the second one, you got a sprint. And I'm just like, really? You know, like, so now you got, you got it in their head that there's a punishment for missing. And then you wonder why your team struggles from the free throw line in the game. Because they already have this stigma that if they miss, there's going to be some type of punishment or, or they don't want to miss it. So now they're tight when they get to the free throw line. So what I do when it comes to free throws is I do free throw games where I put them in situations where I say, okay, you're going to be down seven points. You're going to shoot every free throw you can shoot in the game. And we start with one shot. We go to one and one. We go to two shots. And we go to three shots. And their goal is to get through that. And I've had maybe a handful of players beat that drill on that first try. And then they'll do it and we'll do it a couple of times. And if they don't make it through, then what I do is I just say, okay, well, you're down by one shooting a one and one. And we keep doing that until they beat it. So if they're down one and one, if they're down one and shooting a one and one and they, and they miss the first one, I say, oh, oh lane violation, get to shoot again. The other thing. And so we, so they get in their head, okay, I just, I'm going to keep shooting this until I win. If, if it's a tie bar, if they tied up, then I tell them, all right, overtime, you get another chance. If they miss it, double overtime, you get another chance. And then they kind of start laughing and they take a little bit of that pressure off. They're like, oh, okay, so I'm going to keep going until I make it. And what I've seen is over time, they get better with that drill. And it doesn't, and it's hard to really master that drill because you have to try to make eight in a row. Uh, but there's pressure because you know if you make the first one, you go to the one and one. And then if you miss the front end of the one and one, you lose because you don't have enough free throws. And then you got to go to two shots. So I kind of put some different scenarios on them to kind of get them outside of just going to the free throw line and making 10 free throws or, or making five free throws. So, all right, so here's my bonus question for you, okay? Um, if you're putting together a basketball team, five players from any era, male or female, dead or alive, 
Who are you picking to put on your team? Well, Michael Jordan's always going to be the first voice, the first name that comes out of my mouth. I grew up here in North Carolina, huge Tar Heel fan. I got a picture of Dean Smith right there on my wall. And uh, I got a <laughs> little, little bonus movement for you. But look right up there. What you see? Michael Jordan Wheaties box, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. MJ. So, yeah. So that's always the first one. Um, lots of my teams would probably have a lot of North Carolina players on it just because I'm a North Carolina homie. Homer. So right now, Sam um, Perkins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see, Phil Ford. Uh, James Kenny Worthy. Kenny Smith. Uh, Kenny Smith right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you name it. Uh, we'll even throw out Joe Wolf because everybody needs you know the token guy inside to be able to shoot that jump hook. But um, <laughs> well, I guess Grant Hill not going to be on your team then, right? No, he wouldn't <laughs> even make the the towel boy. <laughs> and, and and Wojo would definitely like he'd be he'd be the pooper scooper at the, <laughs> at the local uh, <laughs> at the local horse farm. Um, wow, yeah. I'm sitting here like running through names, uh, different basketball. I'm not that like I got a daughter, but I'm more like WNBA would be current players. Um, you know, and there's a bunch of good ones right now that I mean, just some amazing basketball players out there. Um, you know, Lisa Leslie comes to mind. Um, I was I was always, I always wanted to be a big man, and then I stopped growing at six one. So, uh, yeah, that didn't train. That didn't work out well. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain, um, point guard. I don't know. I kind of. It's kind of hard to leave Steph Curry out with the way he shoots the ball, right? Uh, where? How many am I? Jordan. Four. So okay. you had MJ, Lisa Leslie, Wilt Chamberlain, Steph Curry. I thought you would have went for Ed Coda as your point guard. Now, Ed Cota is a very he, – he's a very serviceable point guard. He was a point guard in the old school term, right? Hey, Greatest, uh, I used to love me some Ed Cota, man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big North Carolina fan. Well, I'm a I'm – a, I'm a, I ain't going to say a real big North Carolina fan, but I know quite a few North Carolina players. I've always loved, you know, North Carolina. So I mean, if, if you want to talk about a quintessential point guard – like Jim, like Jimmy Black from the '82 championship team, like that guy could put the ball on a dime where the shooter wanted it. Like, mm -hmm. like people forget, like Michael Jordan's winning shot. You didn't see any extra move. Like, go back and watch it. I don't, I didn't see any extra movement. He caught and he went right into his shot. He got the right pass. It's a lost skill. Um, so I'm trying to think of a point guard that way. Love me some Allen Iverson now. You know. Oh yeah. He was he was fun to watch, but practice. <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't know. Yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll put Allison Iverson in there for the for the other guard. So okay, it's an interesting team. Yeah, off but it's, it's your team. Dean Smith can help you coach. So definitely, definitely, he is the head coach. And uh, then Phil Ford would probably be one. I mean, Phil Ford, Phil Jackson would be one of his assistants. Um, and who else? I'm trying to think of. You know, I love Phil Jackson. I've read most of his books. He's just, you know, again, he challenged that thinking and um, and pop. There you go, Dean Smith, Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich is the coaches. 
with Dean, of course, being the head because he delegates things so well. Well, man, I appreciate your time, man, uh, coming out here and, and uh, you know, sharing your knowledge and giving us really your time. That's very valuable. You can't earn your time back. So to share some of that with us, man, I appreciate it. Um, so why don't you tell everybody uh, how they can get in contact you, with you, uh, where you are on social media, and also uh, about your podcast, Whistling the Clipboard. Cool. Well, Whistling the Clipboard is on iTunes. It's all spelled out. Um, .com is the website. I do a bad job of updating the website. So you can find past episodes on there of interviews, like if there's somebody um, that – that you would like to hear from you can just search their name in the search box and if it doesn't come up um you can send me an email it's jason h oates o-a-t-e-s um and that's my twitter handle instagram handle facebook it's jason h oates and whistle clipboard has a facebook page too so but if you really want to like social media wise like you can find me on twitter um that's where i live i got more that I do and then sometimes evening and then whatever else comes out the rest of the day and um yeah and so the email and heck you can even uh text me if you want my phone number is 919-278-8 just text me and say hey coach I got a question can you can you chat and I'll be happy to take the time to chat with anybody because I really think that this principles-based um thought process along with skill development is going to get the like the best out of players and well i didn't mention it but Prado's principle 80 20 rule i don't know if you're familiar with it but 80 percent of our um success or 80 percent of the outcome is really 20 percent of the effort or and it's funny i did the math and if you look at the number of players that play rec and then play high school it's 80 20. if you look at the number of players that play high school and then college it's 80 20. so it's it's actually so like Anyway, it ends up like, and then as you move up, that number keeps working. So what I'm getting to is that the 20% that we don't work on very much is the mental side. Mm -hmm. But I think 80% of the outcome is. <clears throat> so, um, you know, take some time to challenge my stuff. Give me a call or just look around for things. But. You know, don't take them for what they are until you dive into them. All right. So that was my interview I did with Jason Oates of Whistling the Clipboard podcast. I hope y'all enjoyed it. I, I, I really think that was informative. I think y'all got some good insight, um, you know, especially the part about him talking about the mental aspect of, of sports and, you know, giving his views on on uh, on confidence. So. You know, this was a good one. This, you know, this was a good podcast. This was a good interview. Um, so y'all be sure to follow him on Twitter. Um, be sure to check out his podcast, Whistle and a Clipboard. And, and, and his podcast is available on all the streaming services, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so let me give y'all my information real quick before you go. Uh, first thing I want to say is, I appreciate everyone that tunes in on a weekly basis and listens to my podcast. Uh, I try to give y'all some good insight and some good information when it comes to skill development. Um, y'all let me know what you think. You know, um, I'm pretty active on social media, especially on Instagram. So if you want to send me a direct message, let me know what you think. 
Let me know what you like about the show. If there is a uh, particular coach that you would like for me to interview, or if you have a question, please be sure to reach out. I, I have no problem with sharing information or trying to find information or, or I, I like just talking the game of basketball with other individuals, especially other coaches. So don't be afraid to reach out. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, my my handle is at NBNBball. I am also on LinkedIn. You can you can connect with me on there. It's uh, Coach TJ Jones. Um, my website, um, if you want to find out more about my services and what I offer, you can go to my website, tjonesfirm.com. That's T-J-O-N-E-S firm.com. Um, also, be sure to check out my book. My book is available. I released a book a little over a year. Um, it was January of last year. I released a book. It's 10 pages. Oh, I'm sorry, not 10 pages, 10 chapters, uh, right around 81, 82 pages. Some good information on skill development. It's called the Skill Development Playbook. But if you want to check out information on that, be sure to go to my website, tjonesfirm.com forward slash SDP hyphen book. And you can find all the information about the book. Uh, you will see some testimonies from different coaches and uh, uh, the the paperback version is $9.99. The PDF version, if you buy directly from me, is $3.95. If you want to buy it through Amazon, you can go to the Am- go to the Amazon website, type in Skill Development Playbook, it'll pop up. A paperback is $9.99. And the PDF, or oh, I'm sorry, the Kindle version is $3.99. So, uh, again, I appreciate everyone that tunes in on a weekly basis and listens to my show. Be sure to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. So if you're listening to this podcast on Stitcher, if you listen to it on on Apple or Google, be sure to subscribe uh, so you won't miss an episode. And also, uh, give me a five star rating. And you know, I need a good rating uh, that helps other individuals find my show, um, and we can continue to spread the word about some real skill development. So. Um, I hope this show is, is helping people. I hope it's informative. And like I said, if you ever need anything, don't be afraid to reach out. All right. So until next week, I thank y'all. God bless.